everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, the Metsies are back to their winning ways. They took two of three in Arizona. They now head out to San Diego or southwest from Phoenix, I guess. Yeah, uh, to San Diego, kicking off a four-game set on Thursday against the first-place Padres. We're going to be joined by Donovan Jones and Roy Thomason of Friars on the Farm a little bit later on to preview this pivotal series. It kind of has uh, October and June vibes already attached to it. But first, um, got to get into some real talk. And, if, you know, you guys have been following. I know we haven't been on the air since, what, last Friday? Yeah. Uh, that was our last episode. Um, you know, the Mets have been winning. We're, we've talked about this so much in the last few episodes. It seems like every time, you know, a- every new piece of content that that I put out, it's uh, it's just, you know, jaw-dropping. How is this team sticking around? And, you know, we could talk about that for a half an hour, too. But I got some other st- stuff on my mind. And, um, yeah, some real talk. Let's get into this. Uh, as many of you heard and or saw by now, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks color man, Bob Brenly, talked uh, <laughs> talked out his fucking ass again on Wednesday night, uh, making an extremely off-color remark uh, regarding Marcus Stroman's do-rag, uh, saying something to the effect of, oh, it's the same one Tom Seaver used to wear during his playing days. Just what a dick. First and foremost, fuck Bob Brenly. Just you out-of-touch fucking prick. Um... How you still have a job is beyond my comprehension. Um, I hope, oh, just I hope that you lose your fucking job, you you scumbag. Anyway, um, just what what a terrible thing to say. Um, and of course, you heard him. Oh, I made a mistake, and he's going to lean on sensitivity training as his yellow brick road back to the booth. And it's all just it's eyewash fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> I, I had an article typed up for the. Apple on uh, Wednesday morning. Um, I figured that no, no, this, I, this, none of this is fit for print. So uh, I'm kind of letting it, uh, letting it all out here. And since I'm my own boss, hey, you know, enjoy. Um, we've all seen a, a family member or a friend make an off-color joke, um, get shocked looks from around the room, and then shrug it off like, oh yeah, you know. This schmuck did exactly that, but did so from behind a microphone with all, what, a few dozen rabid Diamondbacks fans watching at home? I don't know. What do they have? Fucking 50 fans total? I, I They probably pay people to come into that stadium. Anyway, this isn't about the Diamondbacks. They're actually a really fun team. But what a dick. And he's far from the only prominent baseball person who feels this way, I'm sure. Um a little off topic, John Heyman ripping into Naomi Osaka this week for declining to speak to the media while dealing with mental health issues. It's just, it's another prime example of the backward fucking priorities that some of these more prominent um, influencers, you call them journalists, whatever, whoever they are. They're, they're people in position of power and they, they hold these just asinine fucking beliefs um you know you got Heyman crying on on a, on a nat- I you know first and fo- guys I grew up on Long Island reading Newsday I read John Heyman my whole life um I'm not gonna lie you know 20 20 something 30 something years ago John Heyman was probably part of the reason that I got so um wrapped up in sports journalism and it always kind of captivated me 
I, I, I can honestly say I have probably, I don't know, a shred, if that, of respect left for him. It's just one thing after another. But this, the, he's crying on a national platform, again, about an exhausted athlete who's declining to answer vanilla fucking questions, attacking her personally when people inform him that uh, of the fuck of the just the, the the fecal matter that's coming out of his mouth yet again. He's repeatedly telling people that she hasn't paid her youth coaches, like this has anything to do with the situation. He's reaching out to other journalists who have who who quote tweeted him to shame them into not taking his side in things. Just I know it's all off topic, but it's fucking hogwash nonetheless. But you know what? This is the culture that's been dug like a moat around this game and this industry for so long. These gatekeepers with these twisted priorities and these under-the-table incentives to go out and talk their shit and stir the pot, you know, it'll change one day because it has to and because one by one these, these outdated pricks are forcing the new generation's hand one by one. You know, Major League Baseball currently has their sights set on foreign substances on pitchers' fingers. But the culture that's been emanating for this from this game for so long, I mean, you can look everywhere. You can look at Mickey fucking Calloway. You can look at Jared Porter. All that nonsense. It, it, it's it's a, um, it's a shame. And I know that, you know, at the end of the day, what I have a podcast with what, a thousand listeners. I have a website with a whatever, so, so many readers, you know, it's a small voice, but boy, um, it, how long can pretty much an entire community throw their arms up and say, how are these people still employed by major media outlets when they keep talking all this fucking nonsense? But, you know, until the changes are actually made, this stuff's going to keep on happening. And, you know, it's just, eh, change is long overdue. It's, um, you know, look at Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna brutally assaulting his wife this week. And the league's pretty much taken like a wait and see stance. They, they got to make a, a clear example out of him. Just, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I really am. You guys know me. I could go for a half an hour straight and just ramble, but I, I'm at a loss. And not to mention that, you know, the very large national publication that we're not going to talk about, but the big one. Their title from their lead writer, who, again, this is someone that I greatly respect, but sometimes you have to just wonder, what? Um, so, you know that very large online sports publication that plucks all the best writers from the nation? You know that one. So their lead writer, you know who I'm talking about, um, the title on his article on the matter states that Atlanta likely has to pay Ozuna. Under any that doesn't make any distinction. It just says, "Oh, like Atlanta likely has to pay him." In the story itself, it says that Atlanta can void the Ozuna's deal if Ozuna is sentenced to prison time or accepts a plea deal. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, as as I'm not a lawyer, but if two police officers witness this assault, there's no there's no investigation to conduct. There's no statement to be conducted. There's no. Um, well, there, there's no, you know, not cooperating. There's none of that. Um, Ozuna's dead to fucking rights. And I find it extremely hard to believe that he skates without jail time. And per that article, again, not per the title, per the article itself, which of course is conveniently behind a paywall. So 
most people are going to see the title and be like, oh, I guess Atlanta has to pay him. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fucking vicious cycle. I must have said fuck, I don't know, 20, maybe two dozen times already. It feels great. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, um, so per that article, it would give Atlanta the leeway to void this fucking scumbag's deal. So what's with all the misinformation? It's the fucking culture. That's what it is. Bob Brenly publicly letting his deep-seated racism fly. It's just another line item on this miles-long list of shameful marks on the game. And this has been going on for a fucking century. I don't have to go through the history of this game's just backwards priorities. Um, I mean, even not looking back far ago, like not long ago, I'm 37. Things were a lot different 20 years ago, and I grew up on Long Island where there are bigots aplenty. <laughs> um, and even then, you know, the shit we're seeing now just openly happening in society, it pales in comparison to a lot of that stuff. It's brazen, and, and it's just, it's deeply depressing. Um, you have to credit, I, I don't know if you guys are on Twitter, if everyone's listening and this is on Twitter, but Marcus Stroman shared uh, just an abhorrent um message that he received. It appeared to be in his Instagram messages, but he took a screenshot and put it on Twitter. And um, I'm not going to repeat any of what was said. It's just awful stuff. But, um, you know, this is the, the behavior that let's, I'm not going to directly connect the two, but there is a connection there. Bob Brenly going out and saying these, oh, quote unquote, harmless things. Oh, just making a joke. Insensitive. No, that's fucking hateful. It's, it's a hateful thing to say. You're going to make a joke about the garment that's on a black man's head that only, well, mainly black people wear. That's nothing to joke about. What, what, where's, I don't understand what the joke is there. That's just, it's, it's, it's beyond off color. It's beyond, and it, what I'm trying to say is that it opens the door for you know Joe Blow American flag avatar on on Twitter to oh it's not racist and then he feels like it's okay to go out and say this shit like it's a vicious vicious cycle. Um, shit gets buried by news stories. The news cycle keeps on turning, and it's just that's what they want to happen. They want. America's pastime to be in the front seat all the time. Well, at this point in time, um, the game is not in the forefront. It's the bullshit around the game. Um, it's it's stuff that's easily avoidable. And yeah, it does come back to foreign substances on pitchers' fingers. Um, it's been happening for years, but once you cross that line between gaining a little advantage and blatantly fucking cheating... Um, you know, something's got to be done. Just, I have gripes. <laughs> That's all there is to it. I got gripes. I know I shouldn't be angry, but um, I had to get all this out somewhere. And uh, again, uh, I guess what I was talking about before, before I got a little sidetracked was just a huge cap tip to Marcus Stroman, to everybody, a people of color, anyone, I think Marcus said it perfectly, anyone who's dealing with adversity and I I'm paraphrasing, dealing with adversity and, and, and still continues to push on or something to that effect. And I'm echoing those sentiments. Anyone who's dealing with the fucking hate, there's only one way to deal with hate and that's love, baby. That's the only way to combat that, to conquer it, to keep on moving forward is just let it bounce off you and keep your eyes on the prize. And, uh, you know, I think 
at least for Mets fans, for anyone who's a fan of of him as a player or follows him on social media. I mean, you look at Marcus Stroman, and I think he's the um he's the benchmark for for that sort of, or I guess bringing that I guess wrinkle of society kind of to the um to the forefront or in, into the light because you know see seeing what he shared on Wednesday you know that's it's cringeworthy and, and it's it's depressing and it, it it almost brings a tear to your eye that people in 2021 still have to deal with this level of treatment this level of hate and it's um you know it's tough and you know you just you, you keep moving forward and brings us right back to the Metsies and all this adversity and you just keep moving forward and yeah um you know I, I you guys know me I have thoughts and I know I kind of rambled but hey it is it is what it is um you just got to hope for progress you also got to hope that Bob Brenly loses his fucking job but it is what it is um back to the Mets nice series win um the the bats are coming alive Pete Alonso's back in the lineup I think He's been crushing it since he came back. Uh, James McCann's been on an absolute tear. I know Jonathan VR left uh, left on Wednesday with a tight hamstring. You hope that's nothing too uh, too detrimental, but hey, maybe you know. And also, of course, JD Davis, who's essentially shut down now. Um, the Mets are that they might need to go out and find a more capable third baseman. I don't know. It doesn't, from what we've heard, it doesn't look like Jeff McNeil's coming back anytime soon. Um, still waiting on that second opinion on Michael Conforto, which is from, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Excuse me. Just got to, you know, roll with the punches. Um, ebbs and flows. We've had this conversation before here. And I think the Mets are kind of doing all they can. Uh, all they can and then some to just, you know, keep, keep, Chug it along. Um, I don't think anybody would have expected this team, with uh, any team, with the level of challenge that they've been, you know, faced with, uh, to come out of this. You know, they're entering June with a three and a half, four game lead in the East. Uh, everyone's playing very good um, on the offensive side. People are coming around. Francisco Lindor is finally coming around. Uh, yeah, just you know, everything is clicking. Um, and you know there's still going to be hiccups. There's still going to be road bump, uh, speed bumps, and 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 hurdles in the road, and whatever. You you just keep on moving through, and and you roll with it. It's 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 been fun, but uh, yeah, that was my rant. Um, I guess I hope I brought us up to speed. You guys know it. You check us out at the Apple. You bring you up to speed on what happened this week as far as on the field. But uh, hang tight. We're going to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with uh, Donovan and Roy. We're going to preview the Padres series. Welcome back, everybody. As promised, we are back with two of my good buddies from over in San Diego, <laughs> uh, Donovan Jones and Roy Thomason, who are the hosts of the Friars on the Farm pod, covering uh, mostly Padres minor stuff, but a, an excellent uh, handle on what's going on at the major league level. Donovan and Roy, what's happening? Welcome to the show. How's it going? Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Awesome. How's it, uh, how's it going out west these days? You guys must... Uh, must be uh, kind of living off the off the buzz of this of these Padres right now. It's it, it's it's weird because we don't know how to act. We don't know how to act on Twitter. We don't know how to act, you know, in public. We are just we, I just never had a team this good. Now, granted, I I cooked for the Hyatt in 1998, uh, 
and most of the major league teams stayed at the Hyatt downtown here in downtown or in, in San Diego. And the Yankees closed down my restaurant and had their World Series party in my in my in my restaurant. And um, you know, for 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 a fan of the Padres, I was like, oh, it's just horrible. Yeah, we'll get them next year. Um, to like, oh my God, is that the World Series trophy? And uh, yeah, so it's been a long time since since then to uh, to where we are today. Yeah, we've sat through so much bad baseball. And, and every year we would try to talk ourselves into, okay, they can build a lineup around Chase Headley and a bunch of scrubs. And it's <laughs> and you holding on to pitching prospects and just kind of preying on all this. And to have this all blossom the way it is right now, it's, it's overwhelming. And not only is the team winning, but they're also exciting. They're fun. It's a lot of guys that are easy to root for. Uh, and I, it's, it's, it's different seeing our team on ESPN all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, and I was we were saying before I hit record here, I, I, I mean, I wrote about the Padres a few years back and it was kind of at that point where it was just a whole lot of hope. That's all it was. Yeah. You know, A.J. Preller was kind of planting the seeds. Um, Hosmer had just came on and that was a really watershed moment. Machado was next. And I guess, you know, just seeing A.J. Preller's plan, plan excuse me, come to fruition um, and taking you guys almost you know, not to the promised land yet, but well on your way. Um, you know, what's that been like? Because, I mean, from, from a Mets fan's perspective, uh, we are quite familiar with futility. And uh, we're also being sold on a lot of hope right now as far as a brighter future. And you guys are almost kind of living that right now. What's that been like? It's It's been a, a process that has been a lot of fun to watch unfold. We've seen all these trades happen. We've seen acquisitions and it started back with uh, a couple of really strong drafts back in like 2015, 2016 um, and the international signing period back then. Um, And so we started to build all this hope and all these prospects that were coming up through our system. And rather than seeing those prospects come up and blossom with the Padres, they were used as, as trade equity to bring in these players, uh, which kind of fast-tracked things. Um, so you mentioned the addition of Hosmer and then Machado. Uh, and obviously, the Tatis trade uh, is going to go down in history as one of the most lopsided <laughs> trades of all time. Uh, I, I don't know if he had an idea back then of what kind of a, a kid he was getting at the time, but that was kind of his, his strategy was uh, just get all this talent and see who's going to shake out. Uh, so, but... So we run a prospects focused kind of a podcast. So we wind up getting attached to a lot of these guys, to guys (laughs) like Luis Patino and Blake Hunt, Francisco Mejia, people that we've kind of grown. We mentioned Fran Mill Reyes before we started. Guys like that, we kind of got attached to. And now they all got traded away. But every single one of those transactions, you look at it on paper and it's like, this is making the team better, not just for the short term, but for the long run. You're not bringing in guys like Justin Upton. That was a one and done kind of a trade back in 2015. You're bringing in guys that are going to be here for two, three, four or more years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it doesn't go back to 2015 when when Preller became the rock star GM that uh, that he really is today. With trading for Upton, with trading for a you know a, a Matt Kemp who wasn't you know was kind of on the backside of his career, but you know getting the Kimbrel on the last day when they had to set rosters, they got Craig Kimbrel, and we were just like, holy cow, what's going on here? Despite what everyone else was saying, like this is a team that is kind of put together. There's not a lot of you know a lot of stars that are coming together that don't really fit. The lineup's very right-handed. Um, how is that pitching staff going to react? We had to think uh, Tyson Ross was like the was that going to be our opening day starter? Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and to see that kind of blow up, 
but it got the fan base excited. Like, who is this new GM that's making these moves? We're so used to having, you know, a, a Kevin Towers, who's, who's really beloved in the city, actually making something out of nothing, but taking years for that to develop. Preller comes in, in one offseason, he, he he puts together that, you know, the um, that incredible lineup, and then the next year when it came, when when the season went through and it kind of failed, he traded all those players off. And then in 2016, I think we had we had like four of the top 15 picks, four of the like like our we had incredible draft picks there that first season on top of the 2016 international signing. Yeah. And but then you look at the roster that's out there right now, and there's balance. There's righties. There's lefties. There's strong defense. There's there's you know, you got on base guys. You got speed guys. You got power. Uh, where that 2015 roster, it was so lopsided, as Donovan was saying. So now it's I don't know if it just took him some time to learn how to build a, a major league roster, or if there was something else to the plan. Uh, but boy, it's fun to watch. Oh, it's got to be. And then you know, you know, you can look back to a couple of years ago, and you know, your fan base is just. You know, all that hope, you know, let's take Joey Lucchese, for example, who now Mets fans are very familiar with. Um, you know, you have all that that hope in in the next wave. And like you were saying, just like that, Preller just kind of turns on a dime and says, yeah, you know, this was a nice little stopgap, but let's go move on to you, Darvish and Blake Snell and just take things into the next gear. Um, he's done that a, a few times now, like you were just saying, trading away. The, the best team money could buy. Of course, we're, uh, we're, we're familiar with the best team money can buy as a moniker here. But, um, you know, breaking that down fast. And then, like you said, just building it right back up. Um, it, it's, boy, if, if the Padres can turn it into, you know, a, a championship run, I think that's going to be the blueprint. You know, and that's what Preller's doing. He's just making moves. You can tie everything, every move that he's made. You can tie it yeah. to the current team, and it's 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 um it's impressive. Absolutely, you know, uh, with um, you know, with Joey Lucchese and Eric Lauer came up, they were they were high, they were quick to get to the majors, but they had very low ceilings. They were going to make it to the majors because they had the stuff, but they didn't really have. They had middle to lower uh, back end rotation stuff, and you know. M- uh, Lauer beat the Dodgers every time he pitched against them. So we love the guy when he pitched against the Dodgers, but you put him in course field, he was a nightmare. Same thing with, with Joey Lucchese. And, and then he has the quote, like, who, you know, it's the Dodgers. Nobody likes the Dodgers. Uh, then you have Joey Lucchese, who, who has the serve. He's got that funky delivery. You know, the Padre fans were so used to liking the player, even if he's not that good. They become fan favorites. Younger Salarte is a perfect example of that. Great, great guy, great fun, you know, very charismatic, mediocre player, but we want him to stick around because we love him so, you know, because we like the way he plays the game, even though he's Jose not Perella. a championship. Yeah. Jose Perella. Exactly. Jose Perella. And, he was like a pillar for you guys for a couple of years. And, you know, it, yeah, he had a ceiling, but he served his purpose. Right. And know, absolutely. It, it's very cool. Um, As far as developing talent um, and, you know, it's, it's still a youngish roster and you have that veteran core, but like, um, I know, I I guess in a perfect world, we'd like to see Chris Paddock get pulled along by a a U Darvish and a Blake Snell and kind of bring him up to his full potential. But um, you kind of see that kind of happening across the across the roster with guys like Will Myers looking at the young guys, like um, even like Profar and Mateo, like these guys are just learning. And, uh, the Mets are kind of in a similar position. You have this 
somewhat veteran core, but you still have, especially now with all the injuries, um, guys who are just kind of leaning on that veteran leadership to yeah. guide us. And and right. in a perfect world, it's um it's working out as it's working out for the Padres now. Yeah, I, I need to throw some props out to Manny Machado. I know the East Coast has a certain perspective on what kind of a player, what kind of a human he is from what they saw in Baltimore. But from the day he put on a Padres jersey, he's been fantastic. He's been the clubhouse leader. He is the the core of, of that Padres yeah. team right now. Fernando may be the face of Major League Baseball, even the heart of the team, but that's definitely Manny's team. Yeah, you can you can see and, and just you know, sure Hosmer and and Manny that those were large large yeah. risky investments. Um, not not as risky when you look at how Hosmer's deal is set up, but um, you know those those are heavy investments. But it, it appears that they knew what they were doing. They knew that these are the guys that are going to kind of you know with Hosmer and the World Series experience in Kansas City, um, Manny just. Being Manny, I, you know, I, he does get a bad rap, and that's everywhere. I love Manny Machado. He's one of my yeah. favorite major leaguers, has been since Baltimore. Um, even when he was in L.A., I, I didn't care about the whole thing in Milwaukee. It was awesome. I don't I don't even care about that. But, um, yeah, it's it's been fun to see. Now, the Padres just hit a bit of a rocky point. Um, they were, I guess, headed into Chicago in first place. They now leave in second. Um, the upstart Giants <laughs> jumping into first. They're in the mix with you guys and the Dodgers. Um, what's the temperature like among the fans with, uh, I guess, things you know already having like an October or September feel to it? Well, you know, we're, uh, you know, fans are going to fan. So, <laughs> we, you know, we lose three games in a row. You know, everything's going to be blown up. It's, it's, it's Tingler's fault. It's, you know, it's not, certainly not AJ Preller's fault, but we're infighting. You know, it's uh, the sky is falling, just yeah. like the other fan base. But the real, you know, but in reality is, it, this is going to happen. All good teams. Hell, the Yankees just got swept by Detroit. Yeah. I mean, come on, Detroit. Um, it happens in the in the in the course of a 162 game season. The big thing with this series is, you know, the collision today with um, with Hassan Kim and uh, Tommy Pham. We have Grisham coming. Thank God Grisham's coming back on Friday. But Tatis, we're not sure. He's not quite on the IL, but he's going to be missing a few days because he was on a, a light, a light lat strain. So, you know, and he makes a he makes a big difference in that lineup, regardless of what happened a couple of weeks ago when several of those players were out due to COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. Hosmer, Myers, uh, Tatis, and Profar, when all they, they brought up a bunch of guys from AAA and we went on a nice 9 and one run, um, it definitely he's going to be needed in that lineup you know, particularly this weekend against the Mets. I, I think what Donovan just touched on right there is kind of giving everybody on this fan base a little bit of a, a little bit of patience that we saw the team go on a run when they weren't at full strength. Uh, we know that the talent is there. We know that they can they can get it done even without some major pieces. Uh, so, yeah, you get swept by Chicago, which, by the way, is a pretty darn good team. Yeah. Um, oh, you yeah. lose a couple games in Milwaukee. They're also a pretty darn good team. Um, it's it's a long season. So the pieces are there. I think people are a little bit nervous about the pitching rotation right now. Uh, you got a couple of weak points. Blake Snell needs to come around and find his command. Chris Paddock needs to show that he can go deeper into games and be an effective middle to back end piece. Uh, and then you've got you've got uh, Lamette and Weathers, which both have some 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 
Pitching. length issues, I'll yeah. say, about how deep they can go into a game. Uh, so that stresses the bullpen. The bullpen's been fantastic. So there are reasons to be a little bit worried about some things, but overall, this team is really well set up for the for the long run. Um, it'll be curious to see what happens at the trade deadline. Yeah. Oh, and I think that's that's probably going to be um, the, the vibes across the league. Uh, and that's probably going to start sooner rather than later. You already have teams that are falling way out of contention. And you can look in the West. I think the Dodgers, I mean, the, uh, the Diamondbacks and the Rockies are both, what, a dozen, a dozen plus games yeah. out. Uh, you know, it's going to be like that. There was parity in the first month. Now, now gaps are being created, but yeah, you have to kind of wonder. And um, you kind of wonder, have to wonder how a long season is going to affect some of these rosters, some of these pitching staffs. Um, I did want to ask you guys about Musgrove. Joe Musgrove's looked terrific. Um, <laughs> look at the big, <laughs> the big smile on Roy's face. That's outstanding. Um, that slider is something else, huh? We were, we were excited when he came because he's a local boy and yeah. there were reasons to believe that he may have another gear that he was starting to unlock in, yeah. in Pittsburgh. And when he left Pittsburgh, the letter that he wrote to the city of Pittsburgh showed just how much he made a connection with that community. So there were a lot of reasons to like him and we're thinking, okay, he's going to be like middle back end kind of, okay, cool. He's a good number four, maybe, you know, like that. And then for the first month of the season, he was the best pitcher on the Padres roster, hands down. I mean, Darvish has been consistently very good, but Musgrove went out through the no hitter and just put himself right there in the Padres hall of fame all at once. (laughs) But, and then, but then there's a bullpen day and he goes in there and shoves for what was that five innings that he threw no hit ball just to save, to spell the rest of the bullpen. I mean, talk about a way to endear yourself to a team and a fan base. And that's one of the things about, uh, you know, about the Padres every year. I was like, who, you know, is Tyson Ross going to throw a no hitter? Is, uh, you know, who's going who's to throw the first no hitter? Oh, maybe it's going to be a Mackenzie Gore. Maybe it's going to be Luis Patino. You know, definitely with you Darvers coming in and Blake Snell, it couldn't have been written better by a local boy that I watched, even when he played for, you know, when he played for Pittsburgh, when he was with, uh, with Houston, local boy, you watch him when you want him to do well, and he comes and plays on your team and throws a no hitter. You can't make that stuff up. And for a team like San Diego that has been starved, you know, starved for not only a winning team, but, you know, for those um, for those things that happen to Major League Baseball, like your no hitters, your, your cycles, um, for having to be on a, for a local kid that's from San Diego, grew up a Padres fan, father still has uh, season tickets. It couldn't be asked, you know, it couldn't be better. The guy's not going to buy another beer for the rest of his life in San Diego. So I believe he's wearing number 44 because he idolized Jake Peavy as a San Diego Padre. People were already clamoring for, do they, should the Padres retire number 44 for Peavy? But now after that, no hitter, it was like, well, let's retire 44 and bring both of them in. I think they both would appreciate that moment. Oh, you guys would know better, better than me, but was Joey Hamilton number 44? Ooh, good question. I, 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 now I got to look it up. I'm trying to think who else. Barnett, I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> he was number 54. Oh, he oh. wore number 50 with the Padres. Oh, close enough. But yeah, that's uh, close. Jake Peavy was uh, another one of my favorites. Boy, what a bulldog. Absolutely. Yeah. Just so cool. So uh, the pitching matchups this weekend should actually be great. You got Darvish. Oh, jeez. I don't Darvish. even want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Darvish and Taiwan Walker on Monday on Friday night should be um outstanding. You know Taiwan Walker's got the second least home runs per nine in the majors this year. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. Blue. I I realized that on Thursday. I was looking at just kind of poking around. 
they're having a tremendous year. This is a guy who was sat around on the um on the free agent wire for you know this is going into spring training. Yeah, he was supposed to be one of the hot prospects in baseball when the Mariners had him. Yep. And then it kind of washed out. And then the Diamondbacks picked him up and it kind of washed out. So it is good to see him, you know, finally put some roots down. It is. It is. And um, he's, you know, it, I'm sure you guys have seen this. And you're probably seeing it now and you're going to see it more as the season goes on. But kind of the internal competition that's been going on, at least among this pitching staff between DeGrom and, and Stroman and Walker. And then you have Peterson and Casey kind of, you know, keeping up with the, uh, with the Joneses. Um, kind of what you were just saying before about Paddock and, and Weathers and, and Lamette kind of catching up to the big dogs. Um, it creates a, a, it's just a culture and it's, um, it's cool to see. And I think that's going to be on full display this weekend. Well, Donovan and I got to go to a game where you, where Darvish started and we were able to sit up close enough where we could watch the break on the pitches in his command. And the guy is just an absolute surgeon up there. Yeah. It's, it's so <laughs> neat to watch how, how many pitches he has, how he can command everything. It's, it's, it's really cool getting to watch that guy up close. He's, he's really been our stopper. You know, we've, uh, he's, he's won a game when we needed to win really, really bad. And and really saved the bullpen several times, going six innings, uh, seven innings, several times when we were just the bullpen was absolutely taxed. Now, I'm going Saturday. So Saturday is is Degrom pitching on Saturday? I believe he is. I believe it's on. Choo, 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 choo. Yes, Degrom Saturday. Uh, yes. T, TBD. Uh, no, Stroman. What do we got here? Oh, I'm sorry. It was Taiwan Walker on Thursday. TBD, which is probably going to be a bullpen day for the Mets on on Friday, and then Degrom okay. on Saturday. All right, yeah, I believe we have Blake Snell going up against him. See, and, and as a baseball fan, I want like my wife's like, oh god, you know. And we're going with uh, with Michael Price, ladies, really good friends from LA, and uh, they're right, friend you know, of the podcast, Mike Price. Right, right, right. And uh, you know, we were at the game with Mike uh, when. When Big Sexy hit the home run <laughs> off off James Shields, and you know we were just like ah, and the seven line army had rented yeah. the right field. Yep. I was so pissed. I'm sorry, man. I was so <laughs> angry that they walked down our main street to our to our field. Um, really respectful people though, and and I can appreciate the uh, you know I appreciate that large of a fan base going and doing that and. You know, it wasn't like you saw with L.A. and in, in, uh, Houston with, you know, Dodger fans getting in fights with no. like, Houston fans. You know, it's just really respectful. I think the team and the organization really respects the seven-line army as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to see him pitch. And I, I love I love a good pitching matchup. Oh, and it, that's, you know, it should be that pretty much all weekend. But, of course, now that we say that, it's going to be like 11, you know, 11 to 9 games all weekend. So, <laughs> <laughs> but – um. I did want to ask you guys about the oddness of, I guess, the turn of events of Bartolo Colon hitting a home run off James Shields. James Shields turning into Francisco, uh, excuse me, to uh, to uh, the Fernando Tatis. And uh, yeah, I guess I probably could should have squeezed that in earlier, but um, just the oddness of that uh, of that whole sequence. Well, so there was that home run. And then I believe Shields' next start was where he went to Seattle and got absolutely destroyed. <laughs> and How do you so come then, back from that, though. <laughs> and so Padres chairman, the uh, the chairman of the ownership uh, board, went on radio and blasted James Shields, Ron Fowler, <laughs> and 
a lot of Padres fans kind of point to that moment of the Bartolo home run and then that Seattle game as to what actually got Shields traded away. Like what was finally the thing where they're who knows what happened in that front office, but they said, he's got to go get him out of here. And then when that trade happened, it felt lopsided the other way. Like, wait, we just let go. James Shields were getting back what Eric Johnson, some kid nobody's ever heard of. And right. we're sending a bunch of money to, to the White Sox to make this deal happen. How does, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But none of us did, knew what that 16 year old kid was capable of. And he was on Prowlers and the front, uh, front office's radar for a real long time. They had known him since he was like 13. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly who it was, uh, if it was Connor uh, that knew Fernando back when he was a kid, back in the Dominican Republic, skinny as hell. Uh, and they kept an eye on him. And they, I mean, they gave 30 million, I think $30 million of that contract to, to the White Sox to, uh, you know, for them to take shields. Wow. And then that next year in, in, in uh, Fort Wayne hit 21 home runs. It was a, it was a record for the Fort Wayne organization for 21 home runs. And just every game you watched, he was making this spectacular catch. And, you know, they were talking about how good this kid was. And he was, you know, I mean, he was responsible for more people, Paying for the MILB TV uh, package than anyone else because everyone in the Padres fandom just like, oh my God, we got to see this kid. He just keeps on getting better and better now. Every time you see him, um, he does something more amazing. Um, yeah. I, I hope the splits he- are the new thing. Yeah, he did oh that slide God. into second base and he did the splits and then he's trying to get out of get his back knee out of a pitch and he splits there in the in the box. Oh my God. <laughs> you see Juan Soto do his little stutter step when he was turning third yesterday? No, yeah, I love he, it. Uh, he did the copy. He copied the little stutter step at third. It was uh, yeah, I guess a little homage. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it was very cool. How lucky are we that we get to be baseball fans right now and you've got T- Tatis, Soto, Acuna, Guerrero, so many amazing baseball players right now coming up. I mean, what a time yeah. to be a baseball fan. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's incredible. Bo Bichette, I think you have to put him in there. He's such a fun yes. young player. Um. Even Trout, I know he's, you know, he's been doing it for so long and he's hurt now, but um, he's led the way for this new generation. It's just, it's, it's a high point in the game. It really is. Well, and, and, and it, is, it, it's, it is truly changing. You know, the influx of the Latin players uh, is really changing the game. I love okay. the bat flips. I love, yeah. you know, and I'll tell you, bad take here. I love Trevor Bauer. I love him being the villain. I love him being... <laughs> You know, we need villains. We have all these great guys. We have all these superheroes. You yeah. know, we need a bad guy. And and so, you know, when he does this, when he does it, you know, hand to the ear, listening to the crowd, you know, yell at him. Um, I love that. And um, <laughs> not a lot of people do it because it's kind of a jerky. It's a little contrived. But, you know, if we're going to have heroes, we need villains. And if we yeah. have one villain, let it be Trevor Bauer. <laughs> he definitely embraces the role, you know. <laughs> and and so I'm glad that that villain... I'm glad that villain plays for the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, you know, a lot this fan base, we were all pretty sure he was coming here, you know, as that clock was ticking. We, you know, even the ones who didn't like him were pretty much reserved to it. Like, oh, all right. Well, I guess he's coming in New York. And yeah, he's not. And he's having some issues with the home run this year, which I can't say that I'm all that upset about. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hey, it, it is what it is. Um, fellas, where can everybody find you, find the pod? let's get some social media handles, all that fun stuff. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, SD Donovan, S D D O N A V A N. Our, our, our podcast is on everything from Google play to Stitcher to uh, Apple to um, Spotify. Fires yeah. on the farm. 
Awesome. And I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Roy, um, I do also have to commend you on the, uh, the, the, the spinning San Diego <laughs> chain. That thing is awesome. Why, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, apparently that started back in spring training that they were talking about doing something like this. And Machado contracted it out to some like high end jewelry custom thing in New York. Wait, City. Wait, that thing is real. The one in the dog. That thing is real. Yeah, gold. yeah, it's, ah. it's gold and silver and it's all it's all semi precious stones. Oh I, it must have been one hundred thousand dollars. That thing's got to be 30 something pounds. It's <laughs> I think I said it weighs six like six pounds. and a half pounds. Oh, my so God. It's, it's hollow. It's hollow. Oh, okay. but still, it spins. And so I, I saw the thing and I'm like, I could figure out how to make something like this. <laughs> and so I took a cake pan and a fidget spinner and some other stuff. And then my wife is a crafter. So we've got all kinds of glitter and sequins and who knows what. A dazzler. I put it, I bedazzled the heck out of that thing. Uh, and so I may have a little cottage industry on the, on the side in development right now. Oh my God. You're going to see those things popping all over Petco park by August. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. It's fun. <laughs> Everybody's having fun with it. Baseball yeah. is fun. And it's, I, I just, I love it. It's so cool. Guys, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been a blast. Um, if the Mets and Padres end up meeting back up in October, we are doing this again. Oh, absolutely. 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 Thanks for having us on. Uh, yeah. Anytime, guys. Um, good luck this weekend. Actually, we got the Mets and Padres back in New York next weekend. So uh, good luck then as well. Hopefully Tatis is back in uh back in action very soon because him and him back in action is just good for the game. And I'll be back in New York for that Saturday game. Right. Excellent. Oh, we're going to have to post some pictures on Twitter once we link up at uh, city field, pal. Yeah. All right, guys have a good time. And um, thanks again. Yep. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Um, of course, you guys know where to check out uh, Donovan and Roy over at Friars on the farm. Um, Really great content as far as minor league side, major league side. These guys know their stuff. Um, we're going to be back on Monday, which <laughs> it's going to be our 100th episode. It's simply amazing. Um, I still have no idea what we're doing to celebrate the occasion. Um, yeah, hopefully it's something fun. But uh, yeah, we'll see you then. You guys know where to find us. And let's fucking go Mets. <laughs>